There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. Hello everyone and welcome to the fuck. No, that's not what we're here for. <laughs> welcome to season one of Good Omens. Yay! Episode one. I want to say it's going to be season one and continue, but... I don't uh, think so. Uh, I'm Sean Fangirl S, and joining me, if you've tuned into any of our previous Neil Gaiman, you know Mr. Gomez Adam. Hello! Hello. I'm so glad you're here, because obviously Gomez here has read like all these books, and he's like way ahead of me, because if you listen to our American Gods podcast, you know I am way behind on the books. But Good Omens, six episodes, I'm totally in for this, and not just that, my favorite doctor, Ten, David Tennant, who is a ginger in this one. You're only 29 years late on the book. Right. I'll get to it. No spoilers. Which makes me feel old. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And I've been saying his name wrong for I don't know how long. A very awesome angel that we have, Michael Sheen. Aziraphale. Yeah, I'm going to mess that one up all season, just so you guys know. But we're starting things a little different because we are admittedly going to be drinking through this podcast, all six episodes. So shout out to, let's see, I am drinking from Moonlight Meadery, Kurt's Apple Pie tonight, which this bottle is probably meant to be shared, but it is being shared by me, myself, and I. There you go. Your your favorite three people. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I am drinking a Stone Brewing Company, Notorious POG, which is a Berliner Weisse-style ale. With added passion fruit, orange, and guava. I don't know why my wife decided that this would be for me, but it is. So I'm drinking it. <laughs> well, she has good taste. All right. So you like people. <laughs> <laughs> Episode one, entitled In the Beginning. And an appropriate place to start, right? Absolutely. In the beginning and 11 years ago, two immortal beings decide that it might not be time to start the apocalypse. Now, my favorite thing... That has been going on because obviously we're not doing this right as this dropped because chances are everybody and their brother has watched this whole season. All my friends are talking about the awesome bromance between Crowley, who I don't know, because I still have a soft spot in my heart for the first Crowley that I met, which was from Supernatural, Mark Shepard. Super awesome geek man. But I love David Tennant, so I will deal with, with him being called Crowley because he's still awesome and his swagger. And an awesome angel, Michael Sheen, who again, the name I'm going to screw up. Aziraphale. Aziraphale. I'm going to mess that up. Now, when it first started and we find out in the very beginning, it's the voice of God telling us all this awesome intro. Did you know yes. who that was? Because it didn't click who it was for me. Um, I, I, oh, you're, you're putting me on the spot here. Who? It's Francis McDormand, but it like did oh, not okay. click yes, who so. it was. Right. Well, it, it gave me tough when you, when, you know, you're, you're used to seeing the person with the voice. Right. And when that's not the case. I mean, I love the, I love the opening for this and how they, and how they even did the opening sequence. It I thought was, it was, it was 
so fun. And I will tell you guys, I actually roped my husband into watching this one with me because he was leery. And he, after the first episode, he's like, okay, can we watch the next one? Can we watch it? No, go. no, you gotta wait. Because gotta space it out. We gotta, yeah, we gotta savor it. There's only six. We have to savor. There you go. I mean, I, and I love the fact that they actually, the title sequence is actually a deliberate shout out to the BBC's version of Douglas Adams' Life, the Universe, and Everything. Oh, the kind of almost like paper puppet? Yeah. Thing. I did not really was like, okay. that. Basically, O'Neill Gaiman was was the showrunner on this. Oh, okay. And so he had a lot of the creative control. So his whole thing was like, we really wanted, like, we loved what they did with this. What would it look like using today's graphics and using technology that we have today to do that? And what can you guys do that's like that, only better? And this is what they came up with. Okay. All right. Now I'm going to ask you, Mr. Book Reader, without spoiling anything, because we're going through all the episodes. From what you've seen from season or episode one, I wish it was more than one season, but episode one, how faithful so far has it been to the book? The series as a whole was extremely faithful to the book. Okay. One of the big differences, well, there's a couple. One, the book uses a lot of footnotes as humorous references. Okay. So you'll like read the book and there'll be a footnote and it'll be like, actually, this is what happened or, and then like just a humorous aside, right? Obviously, with this being television, it's a little bit harder to do that unless they were going to have, like, chyrons running along the bottom of the episode, which, while fun, I think, could also be really distracting. Mm-hmm. The other big difference is that the bromance, the romance, romance, I think you can say romance, between Aziraphale and Crowley was much more understated. In the book? In the book. Okay. By leaps and bounds. It's like the actors went, decided, like, you know what, the book is good. But let's see what AO3 has to say about these characters. <laughs> I even lo- I mean, there's memes coming out left and right. One was in particular, which I know this has nothing to do with the show. We'll get there. Calm down. David Tennant in a velvet suit, which I happened to put up on my Facebook. And it's like, do you really think a man could pull this off? And the comment underneath was, well, I'll pull it off. And yes. the comment under that was, that was a Xerophel. <laughs> so it was just perfect that it just kind of keeps going around and around. But yes, absolutely. These two, I thought it was great chemistry between the two. Yep. Um, I already hated characters. Gabriel was kind of a douche. As you're supposed to be. Yeah, John Hamm did a really good job of being a douchebag. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad. You wanted to know just how far up the ass the stick went. Right. <laughs> it's like, wow, that, I feel bad saying that about him, but whatever. Really well. I love the opening where we have Adam and Eve and the fact that they did not whitewash it. Explicitly so. Yes. Which... Hey, guess what? Garden of Eden was located in Africa. Makes sense. I know, and I'm sure that may have been the start of where I'm sure if you guys watched the news or any social media, there was this group that was up in arms and didn't want... Well, they kept saying they didn't want Netflix to make Good Omens anymore. Even though it's on Amazon, something and, and Netflix said, know. If it was like, okay, you're right, you got us, we will no longer make any episodes of Good Omens. And Amazon promised they wouldn't make any more episodes of Stranger Things. So it worked out yeah. great for them. Yeah. Everybody got what they wanted, exactly. except maybe the asshole. <laughs> Which, obviously, those people are not listening to this show, so kind of don't care. Exactly. And, and from the very beginning, though, I loved how they have Azarafel. I'm going to screw that up all season. I'm sorry. Azarafel. Like, being kind when he shouldn't have been. But then that little comment that Crowley makes, oh, what if we both screwed up and I did the good thing and you did the bad thing? That would be weird, right? And of course, (laughs) that little nugget is 
going to be planted in the soil of my brain until the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a great, it comes up later in the season, but I don't think it's really spoiling anything. Where he, Aziraphale basically says to Crowley that for being a bastard, you've got a little bit of good in you. And Crowley's opinion of Aziraphale is like, you know what? For a good person, you actually, the reason I like you is because you have a little bit of a bastard inside of you. I, like I said, love the dynamic and how yeah, it keeps going. Even though they're supposed to hate each other, the first they're, they're, supposed storm, be, they're, not, they're supposed to be on opposite sides. Right. The first thunderstorm starts, and what does Azarafel do? He covers Crawley's head. With his wing, yeah. And even the pod dog agrees. So then we also see Adam and Eve like out in the desert fighting with the flaming sword, which I thought was a Wait. little funny because I did not realize, because again, I am really bad from my CCD upbringing. I thought only, like, the one angel had, like, the flaming sword. I yes, the one. Gabriel. Well, I mean, they, if you go back and look, you'll see that a angel was set to guard the Garden of Eden with a flaming sword to prevent people from going back into the garden. Oh. See? Bad at the Bible. I'm a horrible Catholic. So going forward. You're not, you're not, the, you're not the only one that's a bad Catholic <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah, but you at least remember a lot more than I do. One of us taught Sunday school. Oh, okay, yeah. Once upon a time. That wouldn't have been me, by the way. I also had four years of Jesuit theology in high school. You were on it. You know it. All right. Uh, I I, I got force-fed it, yes, but (laughs) very polite of you to say. So if you have any religious questions, Gomez could answer them probably way better than I. I can take a stab at them. Probably won't um, be very well. Yeah, I, I, I am actually. Uh, I actually had somebody at work that would occasionally say, "So I've got a question about Catholicism, and you're the most Catholic person I know." And I'd be like, "Oh God, I'm going to hell." <laughs> <laughs> If well, I still believed in it. Well, we did see hell didn't seem so bad. It just, they tell you not to lick the walls. It looks run down, dirty, depressing, and you're stuck there for eternity. That's true. So I love how the apocalypse is going to take place. We find, well, the voice of God, again, giving us this information about these demons, which I thought were actually pretty comical. They were lurking in a graveyard, and they had a lot of was it a lot of lurking to do and they had enough yep. lurkingness to last until the day broke and then a little bit more lurkiness to do. I'm like, what? What did you, are those words? Which- so, I mean, part of it is, so, uh, Michael, anyway, adaptation, right? So this came straight from the book. Did and it? your question is, does this work when it's adapted or not? I thought it and, I mean, uh, it, yeah. Mostly but because people, I thought I, it was humorous. Right. Uh, I mean, I, and then you have Crowley driving up in his Bentley. Which it was pointed out to me, and I'm going to screw this up, so anybody listening wants to shoot us an email, contact us at fangirlzone.com. The car is a nod to another, I don't remember if it was Neil Gaiman or if it was Doctor Who. Like, classic Who. I don't know. I think the car was classic Who. It would take me a while. Because, Because, I mean, because this was was Neil Gaiman's first foray into writing long-form fiction prose. Okay. Uh, with and obviously it was a collaboration between him and Terry Pratchett. Uh, because before this, he had not written any long form fiction. He'd done short stories. He wrote for Penthouse. He has the infamous Duran Duran book. And but I mean, the other big project before this that he was working on was Sandman. So he had I never attempted, Sandman. but he had never attempted something like this before. So the fact that he he collaborated at really near the beginning of his career with Terry Pratchett to create Good Omens, and Terry Pratchett was kind of mid to late mid part of his career, was pretty phenomenal. I think this is completely amazing. So, and I mean, if we're going back almost 30 years, 
I mean, obviously the adaptation could have been updated, if, especially if he was part of it. Yeah, I can't find it, that information, by the way. But a lot, but a lot of it. I mean, with him being the showrunner, a lot of what his guiding principle was: Would Terry have approved of this? And if Terry wanted something in the, sh- would have wanted something in the show, it was really important to Neil that it be in the show. So there's going to be a sequence later in the season that we could talk about. But the BBC was like, how about we do it this way? And it was like, no, that is not what Terry would have wanted. So we're going to do it the expensive way. I'm okay with that. Which is, which is awesome. I think it turned uh, out great. I really love the performance. I mean, you got David Tennant with the all the swagger of like, crap. literally walking with the swagger. I'm like, yeah. his hips move more than any woman I know in like five inch heels. Okay. It's he amazing. He walked like that when we seen him live and in person. I'll tell you that. It, it's amazing the the ground did not catch on fire <laughs> as he's walking with the, with the amount of with that kind of. I mean, Mick Jagger doesn't have that much swagger. It was great, and uh, just the way he tells his evil deed of the day, right? Which obviously those demons have been underground a bit too long. They don't realize what he did was horrible. Yes. congratulations you unleashed a huge amount of evil into the world right and and yeah the other ones just don't get it they're thinking just too small exactly and he's doing like i can do you can do big things to one person or i can do one small thing it's a whole lot that's gonna screw everybody up yes it was great and then of course it's like oh you have to take the babies like the what uh what the huh the who and the what now really I have to do that? Crap. Really? No, not me. You must be somebody else. Can't be me. And, you know, no car seats. We just have a basket. Well, it's a, it's a Bentley from the 20s. I what know. do you want? It's funny. It just reminds me of growing up and not having any seatbelts. So, granted, I didn't grow up in the really? 20s, but here I am. I still live. Not everybody did, though, which is why it's important to buckle up. Yeah, that's true. I'm surprised. At Comic-Con, I did not see an order of Satanic Nuns, which were going to the nunnery. Uh, no, you didn't get the Chattering Order? No. The nuns- oh, because they were, they, they were doing a bit at other places. Really? I did yes. see a nanny, which was okay. amazing, but I was in a crowd and I couldn't get close enough to get a photo. Gotcha. But no, they were actually doing the Chattering Nuns at some of the official events for this. Really? Yes. Oh. And now that I watch it, I'm like, hmm. How bad would it be to do that as a costume? I mean, I have. I did the nun for my Halloween decorations go. last year, so I have nun-ish. I can work it. Absolutely. Uh, but I mean, going back to uh, Tenny and his Crowley, if you watch him move, he's moving in a snake-like way. Oh, now that you say it, yeah, because like he does kind of really yeah. wiggle. Wiggle it. Just- okay, sorry. <laughs> But That's I mean, it's kind back. of a neat detail that, that you don't really might not catch on a first watch or a second watch. Now I'm going to have to really pay attention and notice how that goes, though. Yeah, because he didn't have an animal on him because he is essentially the snake. He is a snake. Whereas the other two demons, one had like a giant toad on his Frog head. Thing. Yeah. And the other one had like a salamander, but it was giant. And it I was, didn't catch that bad. the first time until they were talking or looking at the dog. Right. So with the, with the hellhound, yes. Which I love that they have a hellhound that's a giant Great Dane, and it's like, okay, was this thing completely like CGI, or was some of it practical? I mean, obviously the face was not, but right when it stops well, and it's listening, it's like, wait, was there an actual dog there? Is what I wondered. It's amazing what they can do with motion capture these days. Yeah, 
It was actually Andy Circus. You know, he's everything. <laughs> Let me see. Let's go back to the nunnery before we go too far. We have two women coming in in labor. One is the diplomat's wife who is supposed to be getting the Dark Lord and yep. not Voldemort. And another one who's just the local la- lady who was just there to have a baby a little bit early, apparently. Correct. And things go awry, as they often do in this type of situation. Yes, because you're supposed to be, the nuns are supposed to be responsible for a grand switcheroo. And it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. Or horribly right, depending on how you want to look at true. it. That's I, true. I haven't gotten to the end, so. Just remember that God's plan is ineffable. It was a game of three-card Monty. Really? Yes. And I love how they explain that, too. Showing the cards in his three-card Monty and the babies and the winks that nobody quite understands. Yes. And everybody thinks it means something else. Yes, and it was really, again, quite comical. Something that should be semi-horrifying that is happening, they made it just funny. Yeah, I mean, imagine going into the hospital like, I'm giving birth to my baby, and it's not my baby, and what happened to my baby? Where did the baby go? And so I was trying to think about it. I'm like, wait, which actual baby was carted away? That was the diplomat's baby? So it was hopefully taken somewhere and adopted, is what they said, but... You hope! <laughs> We're just gonna hope. Yeah, basically, they, so the diplomat's baby is the one that ends up kind of on the outs. Okay. Because the English baby ends up with the diplomat's wife. And the right? English yeah. parents get... Uh, get the Antichrist. The Antichrist, okay. I'm like, where did everybody go? But obviously, we don't think that's what happened, because we fast forward a little to Crawley and Azarafeld talking about it, and yes. Crawley is quite convincing. You know, we need to do something, because, hello, we don't want the apocalypse. We like it here. Hell sucks. Right. And- I mean, it's not much better. <laughs> what he's talking about, <laughs> oh, you won't have sushi, you won't have crepes, you won't have wine, or bourbon, no or whiskey. No- no more little bookshops. Right. You will only have the sound of music. Quite literally, the or movie. Ever. And you're thinking, it can't be that bad. But, you know, they were drinking heavy and then sobered up, which was hilarious because my husband had to go, wait, 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 wait. Did he just pee in the bottle? Yes. I'm like, no, they just, like, had it come out of them. Correct. It was a rever- reverse uh, filling of the bottle. Yeah. Or uh, draining of the bottle, yes. Drink that again? That's weird. But when they go to report, I love that visual with the escalators. Yes. And how As you one goes see up and one goes down. goes down. But then you see him in the reflection, like they're both going yes. up the escalator. That was great. Absolutely. And I'm like, oh, that's so awesome. Because that's not something I caught on first watch. Like, I just seen him and think, oh, oh okay. he just went down. And I'm like, wait, yeah, he's no. like still there. Oh, yeah. I don't think Azarafel really really felt like Crowley was telling the truth until he's up giving his report. And the angels are like, yeah, you know, when you fail, it'll be fine. Because we we want a war. Right. And it's like, wait, what? That's not cool. Hold on a second. Wait, we're supposed to be the good guys. Yeah, they didn't sound like it. But I mean, mean, then when you get when you think about it, though, with the whole book of Revelation, I mean, there are people who count themselves as devout Christians who are sincerely hoping for the end of the world. That just doesn't seem like a good thing to me. I know. Especially when they described it. Because the big brains want to have happen. But, you know, there are people out there that are actively want that. Because that means, you know, they've been fighting this war for 4,000 years. And now it's finally coming to an end. Hooray! No more war! No more Earth and humanity either. But hey, you know what? Collateral damage. No whales with their big brains. Yes. And 
Wait, was it a Kraken that's supposed to re- be released at the end? A Leviathan, yeah. A yes. Leviathan. I'm like, wait, Kraken is Greek. Hold on. Uh, actually, Kraken is Scandinavian. Oh, is it? Yes. I... The reason people get confused is because they put the Kraken into Clash of Titans. Yep, that's why. Which is based I... on Greek mythology. That's but wrong. yeah, no, Kraken was a Scandinavian myth. Ah, I see. And everybody learned something today. Speak your mouth. All right. So let's fast forward to you. All right. What are we going to do? We're just going to try to make the kid normal. Not good, yes. not evil. Balanced. Yeah. So we're each going to take a turn with the kid. Which is hilarious. The way so you've got David Tennant doing a Mary, Mary Poppins. Oh, my God. I think that had Jason rolling the most. He's like, wait, wait, what? The umbrella and everything? Which was so much better than Aziraphale's God ugly Gardner. Gardner. Well, it's funny because any Whovian knows that they always say Mary Poppins is a Time Lord anyway. Because her bag's bigger on the inside. And so there the fact go. that we have this happening, I'm like, really? We're just going to mix all my fandoms. Okay. Yes! I'm just waiting for, you know, the Supernatural guys to roll through in the next episode, and then I'll be happy. There you go. I love the lullaby. I had to think about it. I'm like, wait, what? And yeah, I was told I had to rewind so we can watch that again because somebody was not believing the words that were being said. Like, wait, wait, rewind that. What, what, what he's not actually saying that to the baby, is he? Right. Yes, yes, he is. And we we come to almost the eleventh birthday. Why? Why eleven? I feel like if you want like the Antichrist, I don't know. Maybe wait till the kid is well within their teen years because they're probably going to be kind of a dickhead anyway. How many eleven year olds have you dealt with recently? Just me. So none. I mean, my wife teaches middle school. Oh, are they kind of eleven? Is not. Eleven year eleven is not completely outside the bounds of the Antichrist. <laughs> See, I don't I don't remember at, in like sixth grade being that much of a dickhead. Like but hit eighth grade. Okay. But and it depends on the kid, right? But hormones do start happening around sixth, seventh, eighth grade, That's right? That's true. Yeah. So I mean if you ever wonder why grades could be really good for kids in fifth grade and then take a nosedive in sixth grade. Uh, hormones. <laughs> Those bastards. It's your brain trying to kill it. it. It's your brain fundamentally changing and you're not being any sure of what is actually happening around you anymore. <laughs> and these were boys, so their hormones yeah, are really yeah. raging. We got three boys and a girl. Oh, yeah, that's true. For, 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 I almost forgot for the, the girl. For the game. Oh, come on. I know. She's awesome. Because she was just in there. She was just kind of bitching for a minute about a bike. But yeah, I almost forgot. Okay. Yeah. So apparently kids are all kind of dicks. I got it. <laughs> See this? I don't have any. I love my kids. But, <laughs> but hormones. Love. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about little Warlock, who they think is the Antichrist. First of all, really? You named your kid Warlock? Whatever. We're going to go past that. He's just kind of a little jerk. The birthday yes. party was actually kind of funny because the magic was horrible and then the food fight. Hey, Well, you have Corey Zerifin trying to do not magic. Right. It's like, no. And I love it. Carly's like, no, no, no. You can do real magic. No, don't. And it was so funny and awkward with them at the zoo. He's like, no, no, that wasn't in my ear. It wasn't even close. Stop. Please stop. It's embarrassing. And and Azarafel is just so happy that he gets to pull out this this magic act again. Yep. But, but nothing happens guy. because oops, wrong kid. Yeah, but how how knows where it's supposed to go? Yes, giant Great Dane with crazy teeth. 
dripping. And, and, but then we learn that uh, Adam, who's the real Antichrist, doesn't want that ha- kind of dog. Has can w- change reality a bit. I thought it was more because again, not the book reader. I thought it was because he was describing what he wanted, and the dog is like, oh shit, I'm going to get sent back if I don't hurry up at Jane. That, there's a bit of that, but later on, when you see, when Adam starts coming more and more into his power, uh-huh. what he thinks is the world should be like is actually how the world ends up being. Oh my gosh, is this like a that Twilight Zone movie thing? Like, you get a little peanut bit. butter and jelly bean sandwiches and smile and it's your birthday every day, otherwise shit's going to go bad. A little bit. Oh, ugh. Except that, I mean, it, it's a little bit worse than that because you have an 11-year-old kid now who, you know what? Nuclear power is bad. Let's do something about that. Ah, uh, so kind of thinking <laughs> he's doing good, but not. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, exactly. Now, so, I'm assuming anyway. he grew up completely normal, hanging with his friends, just a normal, everyday kind of life. And his kid, yeah. And, and he's able to get a dog. Apparently, somebody was a fan. There you go. And just because he's talking about the dog and the hellhound shows up, and he's like, I would only name my dog Dog. And I, and I, I want, like, a small dog who can go places and likes to play. And so this huge, fierce beast turns into... A Jack Russell. A Jack Russell. Wasn't it? I think it was a uh, terrier. Yeah, it was ter- definitely a terrier. Like, small, little, uh, harmless-looking, cute... Right. Puppy oh, dog. Oh, it's a little pupper. Yep. Unlike the pod dog, who's a giant Dutch shepherd, she's... Not the normal, hey, let's cuddle and play and be awesome. <sighs> but, yeah. Just because he's like, I'd only name a dog. Bam. The dog now has a name. And it and looks like a dog. Shit's going down. And, and let's start the let's kickstart the apocalypse. Yeah. I was surprised because all of a sudden Crowley's like, oh, crap. He found the dog. He named it. We're screwed. <laughs> and we have no idea where he is. And all I'm thinking is, all right, come on, you can't, like, feel some kind of pull to it? Not, nah, it doesn't work that way. He can besides, feel if the they, dog. But, and if they could, where would, the, where would be the fun of that? Just being able to show up on the guy's do- on the kid's doorstep. You're like, no, 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 please don't screw this up. But now that it's started, everybody's a little bit freaked out. Well, everybody's oh, feeling about it. The, the two people who know about it and want to do something about it are freaked out. Right. So, where do we think we're going from here? I think Gabrielle's going to be stu- stupidly happy about it. Oh, absolutely. So is, he- uh, so is Hell. Yes, the two demons. Who, did we even Abs- get their name? Yes. Haster and Leaguer. Oh, okay. I wasn't 100% sure if we'd gotten their names, if they're going to be yeah. back even. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, they are definitely going to be back. I'm doing this one at a time. They're very much recurring characters. Ah, got it. Pretty much the only people you don't see again is going to be Adam and Eve, for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, they're kind of way back, so yeah, I'm guessing that's not happening anytime soon. But no, I mean, it's, this is a really, if you if you haven't watched it yet, I highly recommend watching it, even if you haven't read the book. Obviously, I'm going to recommend reading the book as well, as an addition. But if you go into it having read the book and are not expecting that they're going to really play up the re- the personal relationship that Aziraphale and Crowley have, they do do that in this series. Yes. Like, I'm already seeing it, but I I love it already. So I think it was a pretty strong first episode, especially compared to some shows that we have watched in the past. And, uh, yes. It- and this is very, very true to the book and to the original material. So I'm... 
pretty psyched that it's good. The other five episodes that we get, which I am sad that it's only six episodes, but I mean, the book wasn't that huge. It really wasn't. It's a quick read. So I'm, I'm glad that it's staying true and we'll see how that goes. But overall, I liked it. I think it was strong. I'm looking forward to the other five. Go, Absolutely. I, I'm looking forward to you schooling me on the religious aspects along with everything else. I mean, it, yeah. I mean, they had, they had fun with the theology. Well, what do you guys think about the show? Shoot us an email at contactus at fangirlzone.com. Let us know your thoughts on this show and what else you're watching. The book, if you've watched or read it, if you watched the book, that would be weird. Anything. If you've read the book. <laughs> anything associated with this. Let us know how you feel. And, uh, you know, you can always find us over at fangirlzone.com and all the stuff and weirdness that is us. And, of course, by now, if you've listened, you should know where you find Gomez. But otherwise, let this awesome writer, published writer, tell you where he is. So, broadswordsandblasters.com is my main jam these days. Uh, We do a pulp magazine. Uh, once a quarter, we publish articles every Monday about pulp and pulp-related material. So yeah, we have a lot of fun with it. Personally, I've got a couple of things that are coming out the next couple of months. The one I'm most excited about is a cyberpunk anthology that's being put out by Switchblade and Pulp Modern Magazines in conjunction, uh, Tech Noir, which I am super psyched about, and I'll be out in October. And I, I kind of, sort of, almost have like a sentence in one of his stories, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> As an apothecarist, I believe. Oh, that was a, yeah, that was actually in a novel I was doing, um, which I currently is, is slightly abandoned at the moment. Oh. So I have to work you in someplace wah, else. Wah. Promise. Yeah, my new job isn't isn't quite as fun in regards to like weird stories, but you know, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> I know it's weirdly calm, but of course, I'm always here with the Fangirl Zone and everything that we do, and you'll find us running around at conventions here and there, so keep your eye out for us. And again, fangirlzone.com. Everything is there on all of our pages. It's so easy to find us. So for this first episode of Good Omens, I am Sean Fangirl S. And I am Gomez Not Adams. And until next time. Ciao.